0: Welcome to Into the Woo, a wellness podcast hosted by Alice Wu. I'll be exploring the world of crystals, energy healing, spirit guides, and more to help you understand how they can unlock your potential. These concepts have helped me discover my purpose and my truth, and I can't wait to hear how they will inspire you. I'll show you how they can be accessible and powerful tools in your life. I used to love eating out trying out new restaurants, new cuisines. But, you know, the last few years, things have dramatically shifted for me as I've started to view food as fuel, understanding that what I eat is really going to affect how I feel, you know, my work outputs, and so much more. And what I've come to realize is understanding when I eat certain foods, Might make me feel sluggish uh, or tired, and really moving more plant based and eating organic as much as possible. And I've noticed just that I feel better. So it's not to say that I don't eat out and that I don't indulge in the foods that I loved, loved, loved before, but I'm much more mindful about what I put into my body. I met Chris and Yasser a couple months ago through an Instagram challenge that they hosted to really build immunity. They are the founders of Lumen. Lumen produces organic cold press hemp shots. We talked about the benefits of hemp juice, why you should be choosing a cold press juice, eating healthy as an entrepreneur and why they decided to not pursue medical school and to carve a different path for themselves by creating a wellness product business. I really enjoyed chatting with them. I have a feeling that you'll learn a lot on this episode.
1: Thanks for having us on the podcast. We're really excited to be here. Um, This is Chris speaking, and we started Lumen with a third partner, Uh, Jacob and the three of us all came together around this concept that food is medicine and it's not just the food you put into your body itself but it's also how that food is grown and so when you use regenerative farming or farming that's good for the planet it actually makes food that's healthier for you and so it's this concept of food being medicine not only for people but also for the planet which in turn of course comes back and heals people so it's this holistic vision and uh, Jacob had this idea that uh, while he was he was a professional skier for a long time, banged up his body a whole bunch. And in the off seasons, when it wasn't snowy in the US, he wasn't traveling across the world, uh, he would work on farms and use permaculture principles or organic farming and convert farms from industrial farming, conventional farming to organic farming. And some of those farms were hemp farms. And so he started looking at the plant and he was like, I wonder why people just aren't eating this like a vegetable. Like this has been around for People have been using CBD, for instance, for over 12,000 years. Why aren't people just eating the plant? So he starts eating the leaves and feels amazing. His body felt great. His mind felt clear. But he was like, I can't keep up with the amount of leaves I want to eat. I'd have to have hemp salads all day. And they're kind of rough. They're kind of fibrous and tough and slightly irritating to the throat. So he uh, started juicing the plant. And he had this magical discovery that hemp juice was this undiscovered potential for Helping people with their inflammation uh, and and their clarity of mind and their stress, and so he had this kind of hidden gem of an idea, uh, and he was looking for some help to start the company. And Yaster and I had uh, left medical school to pursue this belief that food is medicine, and we all crossed paths at the same time. Um, oddly enough, at a organic farming conference that our farmer Chris Jagger was organizing. So it's it really it all came around this concept of food being medicine and including how that food is produced.
0: And what did you guys do before starting this business? Um, Tell me a little bit more about how you got into the field of medicine, but then left it.
2: Yeah, that's a a great question. So uh, for me personally, this is Yasser speaking. I was always Kind of on the path to become a physician. I come from a family of, uh, of physicians, and so before Lumen, I'd actually known Chris, met Chris back in middle school, uh, known him for for a long time now, and uh, so we went to middle school together, high school together, uh, became good friends in high school, and ended up going to college together. So we were roommates in college, and uh, really just helped each other grow and build, and um, that's where my passion for the environment started uh, through a couple projects there, and I just didn't know much about all the you know the climate crisis that was happening and uh, so it was it became kind of like a personal passion and I was still always focused on wanting to become a physician and uh, so after college I I went to get my master's in neuroscience I was always passionate about the brain and I had my undergraduate in psychology and that was kind of the the future that I saw for myself was I you know want to pursue medicine, but I always want it to be something that has to do with the brain. And, uh, I was always fascinated about what, you know, what made me eat me and what made you, you, and, I was passionate about, uh, passionate about, passionate about consciousness and, and human beings and just, just general, you know, what makes us human and why do we act the way that we act? And if I could start to get an understanding of that, we can start to figure out how do we change behavior for the better of the world. And so, uh, that was what I was passionate about. And so, uh, did my, my master's and during my master's, Chris was, um, working on a startup in Texas for uh C B D and patients with epilepsy. And so uh he reached out and sent, you know, some some decks and some research my way and I started to look at finding ways to help him. And uh that's where my passion, you know, outside of medicine started to grow. And I realized that their medicine was this kind of like big slow machine that was doing a lot of good in the world, but I was also leaving a lot of gaps and there are a lot of people suffering because of it. And so the more that I started to understand the world and the more that I started to understand um, not only medicine, but, you know, the whole healthcare system, the more I just it found out that, you know, maybe it isn't the passion that I'm really looking for. And so um, the startup became, you know, Chris's idea and startup became a little bit of my own and uh, we, you know, put some ideas together and, had a startup together and um that one didn't work out so well as as many do in the world and um but it was a lot of fun and it was a huge learning experience and um we learned a lot about you know not just business but you know politics and everything else that comes around building something right from an idea to to a product or or to a company and so that was good fun and from there when that project fell apart lumen just happened to fall fall into our laps It was kind of like a right time right place thing when we were discovering you know trying to figure out what's the next step in our lives i think at the time i had a deferral for medical school so there were a few months left before i had to kind of say yes i'm coming or no i'm not and uh lumen kind of fell right right in that window and so it was the right time right place thing and we kind of hopped on and it's been it's been an exciting journey ever since
1: yeah that deferral for medical school is kind of a weird period because it's kind of like you're engaged Uh, we both deferred medical school because we both kind of had the blinders quote unquote lifted off both wanted to be physicians since middle school. And um, when you see the, the the way the system currently works, we could dive into this more if you'd like, but um, that deferral period, you feel like you're about to get married. And it was weird because both of us essentially broke our engagements to what our, like <laughs> most of our life had been devoted to, you know, we were still kids uh, and we were very privileged to like be exposed to the medical field in the way we were while we were younger. Um, but we broke that engagement and, it, it, it takes like an emotional toll on you, but it was also very reassuring knowing that there are these these gaps that we wanted to fill. When you look at bridging Eastern and Western philosophy, there's a small field called functional medicine. Leaders like Dr. Mark Hyman are really leading that uh, and pushing that forward, which is great. But there's really not a lot of people bridging that Eastern and Western philosophy gap. And our ability to change things through business looked a lot more exciting because we could create these systems that had reverberating or butterfly effects that could reach into how things are farmed using regenerative farming could reach into changing culture through making something that's kind of cool for people to, to talk about. And that's how we met you, Alice, through one of those projects, which was our, our yeah. nine day immune reset challenge. So it's all come together quite well. And we're still, we still feel like we're, we're practicing medicine. Uh, but the way we practice medicine, we believe is between doctor's visits as opposed to at the doctor's office itself.
0: Yeah, and there is that quote from Hippocrates that says, "Let food be thine medicine."
1: Yes, he he could have couldn't have said it better. <laughs> it's famous, and it's a good one. Yeah, we yeah. Believe it.
0: and it's from such a long time ago as well. And so, I wanted to go back and ask how you guys felt in that, like you said, that weird engagement period where you were like, "I'm going to be a doctor. This is something that I have wanted." since childhood and Mm -hmm. that completely shifted and changed. and 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 how did you feel and how did you respond to that situation and kind of move past that to create honestly a new reality for yourself in a new life it it can be very jarring you're like for let's say 10 years you're like this is what i'm going to do and then all of a sudden you're like wait i actually don't want to do this
1: yeah it was stressful definitely stressful um I'll let Yasser share his little bit because I, I know it's a slightly different experience with the, his family background, but with my family, I know the deferral was a little bit easier of a way to, cause I kind of knew before I deferred medical school. I was like I kind of want to go into something related to um, the environment. Uh, and then I ended up discovering regenerative farming and figuring out you could link the environment or the way things are farmed with human health. So that took me down a different path, but uh, you feel like you are, like you look in the mirror and you're like, the person you see is no longer the person that you saw a year ago. Uh, and it's kind of weird because you, you, at least for me, I, I almost didn't recognize myself completely, which sounds like overly dramatic. I'm sure other people have an easier time with it. But for me, it was such an ingrained part of my identity. Joshua and I both went through this program called Clinical Rotations in our high school in Plano, Texas, which was, uh, again, a really privileged program. We were fortunate to go through that we got our certified nursing assistant licenses in high school. And we went through the path for pharmacy technician licensing and all these things that we could do as children, essentially teenagers, young adults. And we got exposed by shadowing different types of physicians day in and day out for uh, two years. And then a lot of us continue that through college. And so you kind of feel like you're already a part of it. Uh, And so this, this kind of clear cut path where if you follow the steps you connect the dots, um, you're going to end up at a quote unquote, successful, stable, respected position in in society, which for me, it was less like the position, but it was more like feeling super valuable because whatever I need to do in life, I, I have to have it be valuable for other people. Like that's just fulfillment one-on-one for me. So for me, it kind of felt like I was abandoning that for something that Uh, was very uncertain. And it's still, I mean, it's, you still think about it every once in a while. All of our friends right now are in the residencies. A lot of them are surgeons or uh, mostly surgeons actually. And so seeing what they're going through, it's actually kind of reassuring because um, the the, the flaws that we saw in the system, they see it too, and their motivations are different. So they're able to still push through it and really enjoy it. Um, But I, I know for a fact that I made the right decision. I know Yasser's background with your family. You can provide a little background on that's different
2: yeah it's just different culturally because there's so much weight uh kind of you make so many people proud and then you have to take that burden on on top of and it's the extended family is so connected so it's not just you know mom and dad and the brothers and sisters but it's the aunts the uncles the grandmas the grandpas uh so it's more of a of a mountain to climb and then to, to reach the other side kind of in your head and deciding that, okay, this is, you know, this is the path that I want to take for my life. But um, I think one of the things that helped me get over it was realizing that it's it's kind of like the, the, the airplane analogy where it's you put your mask on before you put, you know, your kid's mask on or the mask on for the person next to you. And so I used to always think that if I wanted to do, something that I was really passionate about, and I could become successful, I could now become a beacon of hope for everyone in my culture and in my community that have always wanted to find a different path or follow a different path. So that was one thing that kind of helped conquer the fear for me personally, was realizing that, wait, this is something I'm passionate about. How many other people like me also have a passion outside of this path that they might think that they're destined on, and just never chose to pursue it because... You know, of family pressure because they felt
1: like what they were doing was the right thing to do when there were so many other opportunities. The saying I heard when I first decided to leave medical school behind was, uh, you could be a tugboat or you could be a lighthouse and like, don't yeah. be, you, you can only be a tugboat for one boat at a time, but if you choose to build and use these different tools to be the lighthouse, you can guide a lot more people to the vision that you see.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so great. and. Because you're doing something different, you're offering a different product in the market. Like, what do you say to friends, family, just people that you meet about Lumen, about the hemp juice, and why is it something great to incorporate in your diet? And also, kind of, what type of pushback have you received as well?
1: Yeah, the hemp juice is definitely the, the main differentiator for aluminum, it's like the big thing that we did different. Now we use different parts of the hemp plant and different beverages, including things like hemp seed oil, which I'm really excited about because the vast majority of our, uh, of Americans are deficient in omega three. Hemp seed oil has a perfect ratio of omega three, six and nine for the human body in a plant-based form, super sustainable. Um, so back to the hemp juice, I mean, that hemp juice was the first big thing to set us apart. And that's kind of what gave us our ability to launch and uh, excitement around what we were doing. And even still to this day, we're the only company in the world producing a beverage sold in things like grocery stores or online made with cold pressed hemp juice. Uh, and that's mind boggling me because this plant has been around for so long. We're definitely not the only ones juicing it. There are other companies out there juicing it. There are other people out there juicing it at at home, which is uh, a lot harder than it sounds. It'll destroy your home juicer really quickly. Um, and so, it's exciting to see that other people are picking up on this because the juice from the plant the, from a, a medical perspective is it's different than all of the other CBD products out there in the world. So CBD is kind of everywhere. I'm sure, especially if you've been following along with Alice and all of her work, she's so in tune with wellness. You've probably also been exposed to CBD everything. Even if you're not in tune with wellness, you probably have been exposed to CBD everything. Um, and, and the cool part about juicing hemp is instead of getting CBD out of it, you get something called CBDA or raw CBD. And for us, raw is better. Uh, so, this raw CBD, the same researcher that discovered that regular CBD works well for things like stress and inflammation uh, back in the 80s recently discovered that raw CBD, what's in hemp juice, can work up to a thousand times stronger than regular CBD for things like uh, nausea and gut inflammation. And it still works well for overall inflammation in the body and stress uh, and sleep regulation. So it's kind of cool when you see this more natural form of a product or a plant, an ingredient, um, actually work better than some of the more processed forms. I think we're discovering that across the board. I know Um, this is kind of controversial, but there was a study that, uh, looked at cats and drinking pasteurized homogenized milk versus raw milk. And the cats that drink raw milk were extremely healthy, but the cats that drank the human overly processed form ended up developing all these issues that we associate with dairy. So we're kind of learning. It's this renaissance right now that less processing is usually better. Um, raw is usually as good as it can get if you can pick it and eat it straight out Mm -hmm. of your own garden it's not going to be any healthier than that so uh, people it took a while for people in our circles to see that though and it took us a while for us to even understand how to be communicating that because we're scientists we're not marketers and so even amongst (laughs) our closest friends and family it took us a while before a lot of them completely understood shout out to my parents they're pretty progressive so they're like all right we, we we see what this is Happening. We see where this is going. We see the benefit here. And they've been pushing this since we had our Indiegogo and getting their friends to sign up and stuff. So um, I think our families see the value in it. And now, especially like Yasser said, getting into Whole Foods, our Whole Foods shot unfortunately does not have the hemp juice in it, which has that raw CBD because they can't sell CBD products yet. But we created this new specific, it's a revamped line. Um, with hemp seed oil that has that perfect ratio of omega-3s in there for the human body. And um, that's been doing really, really well. And people, it seems like the world wants that a lot, uh, especially in Whole Foods, because uh, omegas are are, are coming to the forefront of conversation. And when you look at the way omegas work in the body, inflammation is the root of a lot of different diseases. And having too much omega-6 and not enough omega-3, you already know this, Alice, I'm preaching to the choir, um, it, it leads to inflammatory response in the body. So for us, we're, it's pretty exciting to be able to use this hemp plant in more ways than one. Right now I'm wearing my hemp lumen t-shirt that I'm about to go visit some stores in and I've got hemp business cards in my pocket and we've got hemp seed oil in some of our juices and hemp juice in some of our other shots. And so it's, it's this really versatile plant. And this is like a whole nother tangent, but I'm a big believer in the fact that hemp can help us significantly reverse climate change. So this plant has given us a lot and people are starting to see that. It's not just this small subset of the population anymore that are, um, living out in the, the woods, hugging trees, which we're both kind of secretly tree huggers. Uh, don't, don't tell anyone, but uh, it's, it's going to like the wide stream, which is really cool to see.
0: So I wanted to go back to, to even the basics because juicing gets a bad rap. So I want to talk about juicing but nice. I also want to let people know and for you to share that it's not like you're selling juices. You're selling specific shots. What I've asked you before, oh, mm-hmm. have you thought about making it into like an 8-ounce, 10, 12-ounce juice? And and then, of course, why is cold-pressed better than just what's what's the alternative? Just like a regular?
1: Yeah, there's like centrifugal, there's essentially yeah. hot juicing.
0: Yeah, I know, but I want you to <laughs> yeah, tell sure. me.
1: yeah. yeah. So Cold pressing for us is a, a big deal because that raw CBD is no longer raw whenever you juice it in a way that heats up the hemp. So heat is what turns raw CBD into regular CBD. Uh, and so by cold pressing it, not only do we protect that raw CBD, but there's a ton of other functional compounds in hemp. Things like other raw, what are called phytocannabinoids, or essentially fancy, a fancy word that means like active compounds in hemp that are good for your health um, basic things that we all know about things like, uh, vitamins and minerals and chlorophyll and amino acids and all those things get affected, affected by heat. I think juicing gets a bad rep one on a personal level, cause it's messy and it takes a lot of time. So people are kind of, you know, if you're living this fast paced lifestyle. It's a pain in the butt. That's one reason why we juice hemp for people to buy because juicing hemp, like I said before, will literally tear your home juicer up in a matter of weeks. If you're trying to juice it, you have to be really careful. Um, So I think that's one reason why it gets a bad rap. Another reason why is because a lot of people just can't handle, I mean, you drink celery juice, Alice, you get this, you you can handle the green, but a lot of people can't handle how earthy raw, straight up green juice tastes. (laughs) And I think uh, maybe we'll evolve as a society to enjoy those, those bitters. Uh, But I, I think right now most people are, blissfully unaware of how much their cold pressed juice, even from their favorite juice shop, uh, has in terms of sugar content. Like it's... it's Uh,
0: Yes. I'm (laughs) always telling people, I'm like, green juices only. Every single juice place that I go to, I ask them like, is there apple juice? Is there orange juice? Like, I don't want any of that.
1: Yep. Yep. I mean, some juices can have as much sugar as a can of Coke, which is like shocking. And the reason why... That's, I think that's another reason why, especially in people who are like in tune with the wellness community, like it's their lifestyle and their their career. They kind of have known that for a while and that's why they give it a bad rap and then other people feed off of that. But that being said, juicing has these wonderful list, has a wonderful list of benefits. Like you get these raw compounds that you don't normally get in higher concentrations in, in plants. And so when done right, I think it could be extremely healthy. You're, you're missing things like fiber and other things like that. But the thing about it is no one's eating hemp leaves right now. For So for hemp, like juicing it was the most clear direction to get as close to the whole plant as possible. Will people be eating hemp leaves and hemp microgreens in their salads someday? Yeah, we hope so. Um, but right now, uh, hemp juice was as close as we could get to the whole plant. So it was the perfect option for getting all those, uh, those, those functional compounds out of it.
0: And why is it in a shot and not in an eight? 10 ounce juice.
2: So that's an interesting story, actually. We had, when we first launched uh Lumen, we were intending to launch into an eight-ounce. Uh, that was, you know, we'd formulated some some really good tasting eight-ounce drinks. And uh when we looked to launch on our Indiegogo, the there were a couple things that we had to figure out. How do we how do we make it, you know, how do we get it to the consumer in a fresh Uh, and exciting and and flavorful way. And the only way that we could ship things to people fresh uh, via like pre-sales on Indiegogo was in a box with ice and all this other stuff. Um, And it just, it didn't really work. We, you know, we didn't want people to spend money to get an amazing, fresh-tasting juice, but only get one or two in this big box, with all this packaging. And we were always against, you know, packaging and against sending unnecessary stuff. It's like, how do we keep it as, as a, you know, as environmentally friendly as possible, but also boost people's health in a you know, fun and exciting way with this amazing new ingredient? And so, when we looked at how it could all come together, we realized that hemp is this amazing functional ingredient, makes people feel great, and we would drink it as shots when we were trying to figure out how to formulate it, and so the idea just came about as we were putting everything together for our Indiegogo, Is like, well why don't we why don't we make it a shot and it's functional, we can make it taste good and then it kind of solved a lot of problems for us. It solved the problem of making it you know functional and tasty but also being able to send it to, to people in a fresh way but they also get a lot of it and so then it became this thing where you know we could send a smaller box that had more shots so it's less packaging and then you know uh, consumers got more so you know you as a consumer that wanted to buy lumen all of a sudden instead of what we would have sent as one or two or three juices. Now you could get a box of 12 or 24 shots. Um, we could pack more into it. So it became even more functional. And so it just became this evolution as we were, you know, on our entrepreneurial journey to start Lumen of you know, how do we, the the question we always asked ourselves was how do we do it in an an environmentally friendly way, but also in a way that really is exciting and and fun and functional and flavorful for the consumer. And shots just happened to be the natural evolution of, of, of making it work for the circumstances that we were in. And from there, it just grew. Like again, just being persistent and listening to to what works, uh, you know, that's what, what worked and so we launched in the grocery stores with that we've launched in the Whole Foods with that Um, and it's been exciting I think people are are getting to a point now where sometimes they don't want a full, you know, eight ounce or 12 ounce juice. Sometimes they're on the run or on the road or they just finished a workout and they had, they had their shake and they want some, some anti-inflammatories and an immune booster. They're about to hop on a plane uh, and instead of downing a whole juice, it's really easy to take a, you know, fun, functionally packed two ounce shot. So um, it just seemed to be kind of a natural evolution and, uh, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Less is more.
1: Less is more. Exactly. So uh, you got so fired up about that. I love that because we, Ashley and I play this game where we like pick up different juices, not necessarily juices, but beverages. And we're like, guess how much sugar I, I challenge anyone listening to this, play that with a friend or family member. Next time you're out, like grab a beverage and then just ask the other person how much sugar. And I guarantee you like over 50% of the time they're going to be way under.
0: It's always a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. it's
0: and
2: it to do with just beverages. I mean, you can do it with yogurt. Almost, almost anything and it's, it's kind of astonishing.
0: There's hidden sugar everywhere. And I just personally, myself, I know that I, um, I'm more sensitive to sugar, like something that's very sugary, whether it's, you know, food, a drink, like I just don't like it. And I just know that I gain weight from it, like when I'm drinking more juice. Um, if I'm drinking alcohol, um, which I don't really drink that much anymore. But back when I was drinking, um, a a lot, I was like, I'm gaining a lot of weight because of these liquid calories, but also the sugars were just not, they just weren't really serving me.
1: Yep. 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 Well, the enemy is not fruit either. You know, it's like the enemy's fruit that's been removed from all the fiber, those, those, those net carbs, it's. That's the that's the real the the devil's always in the details. And when you take the juice out of the fruit, then the fiber that's in the fruit can no longer keep those sugars from being slowly absorbed in a way that's not going to spike your blood sugar and cause this massive influx of, of different sugars in your body. So um, it's important to to realize that you know sugar is what fat doesn't make people fat. Sugar makes people fat, and too much sugar causes metabolic dysfunction, which leads to all these other things but it's not the fruit necessarily. It's always just, and again, it's like how we process it as humans. So you have to be really careful how you choose to process stuff.
0: I just think we're so conditioned to eat sweet
1: things. Yep. It's a culture. That's for sure. Things. I was just talking to another beverage, uh, uh, entrepreneur about that yesterday. He was like, you know, it's crazy. I just launched into the Midwest and I'm having to make my things way sweeter to sell them there. And it's not, it's, it's the worst. It's the, the worst. But he's like it, it, I mean it's like a much bigger conversation like what are you what are you going to do to your company and like your vision for the sake of growth like are you are you willing to do are you willing to dilute the quality of your product to sell more of it and like where is that fine line because if your goal is to help people then obviously the more people you get to the more you help but at what point is the line in the sand drawn where if you cross that line your product is actually detrimental to people's health or a negative as opposed to a positive those are questions that I think companies like it's so weird, even if you look at Coca-Cola, like they started off as like a, a medicinal tonic and now they're responsible for so much of the disease we have in this country as a single company, which is astonishing to be able to even like point to one company and say this is like millions of people's lives that have, have taken a downturn because of it. But uh, you have to be really, really careful when you're coming up with anything, any, any product that you're putting out into the world because it's people's lives are in your hands.
0: And it is a difficult question and there really is no concrete answer. And that answer continues to change constantly.
1: Definitely. Yeah. We're learning a lot more about how these different, I mean, a lot, like I said, fat doesn't make people fat, but that's only a thought that's really taken, come to the the forefront of conversation over the last couple of years. Um, So like you said, things are changing constantly. Our understanding of just how detrimental sugars and especially processed sugars are to our health. It's like, no one really, we all knew sugar was bad ever since we were a kid, but no one really knew just how bad, like how connected processed sugar, processed foods, all these things were to our long-term health. We always knew they were bad, but now it's kind of cool seeing the science catch up because with, with informed and education, educated populations, like we can make better, more informed decisions. Maybe we won't grow up to have, Uh, high blood pressure leading to a stroke because we were raised in a different culture than our parents. And like, we're not going to go through the same kind of adverse health events that they went through. And then that's going to allow us like we were talking before this podcast, that's going to allow us to be 65 or 70 and going on a 20 mile backpacking trip with our grandchildren. Like these are things that are, it's, it's, it's going to revolutionize how we live our lives for the rest of our lives. And it's just happening now, which is really cool to see.
2: Yeah, and I think change happens incrementally. I think it takes a lot of, uh, it, and most of the time it happens from the grassroots, right? People decide like, oh, wait, this isn't really good for me. And then they start, uh, you know, better for you companies with juice or with, and it's going to happen in a lot of different industries, right? Right now it's happening with health and wellness, but over time, everything that we're seeing with technology is going to start to change too, and our relationships going to change there. So I think as a society, we evolve and we grow, and we slowly start to realize the things that aren't good for us, and then we you know, we have to actively choose to, to to be better, and then, like Chris was saying earlier, we have to also choose to be a lighthouse uh, for those around us. And so, mm-hmm. uh, it's a, it's change happens incrementally, but the more that we can push something, you know, you know, individually, and the more that we believe in it, and the more that we can become a lighthouse, the more it'll change. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, I also wanted to touch upon food as fuel versus an indulgence. I think the way that food. Uh, is marketed to us as very much so an indulgence. But what we should be thinking about the food that we uh, eat is fuel.
1: At at least 90% of the time, I would agree with that. And that's something we talked about in that immune reset challenge was, I can remember the aha moment for me when I realized how much my my psychology had changed when I was cooking up kale and sauteing it. I, I literally saw it as a a brain booster as opposed to a slightly bitter leafy green that I was cooking up and trying to make taste good. Uh, I was starting to crave it and it's, it didn't happen overnight. It took years to get to that point, but it's kind of cool when you see food like that. Uh, and on the other hand, you, you can't completely cut life's indulgences out. So I think it's, it's so humans are so binary zero one black, white, yes, no, and it's hard to see things on a spectrum like most things actually are politics, the environment, our health, all these different things. And so I think it's important to make sure that you're pretty far one way on the spectrum. You don't want to be like 50-50 indulgent food and and then also paying attention to what you're eating in a healthy way. But I also think it's good every once in a while to have that slice of pecan pie at Thanksgiving or whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so what are some of your favorite superfoods aside from hemp?
1: Ashwagandha. I love Ashwagandha. We used to have a shot with Ashwagandha, but along that line of things being too green, um, we actually had to discontinue that shot because it didn't sell too well because it tasted too green. So we'll come back to that ingredient someday. Um, Really good for stress management early on. What's that?
0: Very bitter,
1: yeah, very, very bitter. My my current favorite outside of hemp though is lion's mane mushroom. I love lion's mane. Uh, I was gonna say, I've been, um, I was
2: gifted some reishi spores by an amazing company called Tusol, and that's been my go to for the past almost two months now. Uh, I've been adding it to all of my smoothies, and so that's been my go to for now. Um, and I'm almost running out, so I'll have to get some more, but um, I'm just really fascinated by mushrooms. I know we use them in one of our shots, and um. I'd say that's my go-to superfood for now.
0: Yes, the healing power of mushrooms. I know that lion's mane is very much so a brain booster, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, we have that in our shot. uh, called. We just renamed it. It was called Bright Brain. But to make it super clear for people, we're calling it Pure Focus. And that shot has lion's mane mushroom and also shiitake mushroom, uh, which is also surprisingly a great brain booster. Uh, And those both come from an amazing company called Whole Sun Wellness. They're actually developing uh, the United States' first commercial organic mushroom farm. And I believe either, I think it's Colorado. It's really cool to see. So uh, a lot of these functional mushrooms are grown outside of the country. Uh, and they're one of the first that's leading the charge. And so we're really excited to be partnered with them. They've got really high quality standards. Um, but Lion's man, man that whole sh- that whole blend of functional compounds we have in that shot as an entrepreneur, you have to be on point all the time. And I don't even have like a family yet, so <laughs> I can only imagine how much that would change things. But balancing my personal life, my my romantic life with my partner, my business life, all these things that, you know, especially in the middle of a global pandemic, it's like you, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And so whatever you can do to help keep you on point, on the cutting edge, pushing at 110% without feeling like you're pushing at 110%, when, like having a healthy stress level. Those are things that I look for as an entrepreneur. And, and Lion's Mane is is a really great superfood for that.
0: And have you guys always eaten healthy no. since you started? the <laughs> yeah. it's,
2: it was, Talk to me about the evolution.
0: Talk to me about the evolution of you're just eating whatever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, ooh, let me eat more kale. Let me eat more, uh, just fruits, vegetables, less processed food.
1: I, it's funny you say evolution because I imagine ourselves, Yasha and I both, being like, if you look at that chart of the evolution of man, like I could see us both still as hunched over monkeys. Yeah. With, like <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> it wasn't gonna... that long ago that we became bipedal and like walking humans on that little evolutionary chart from monkey to man.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was really a discovery. I think for me growing up, there you know, food was healthy, but also, I mean, it's, it's bad, but you'd see kids with Coca-Cola and baby bottles. Right. And so, uh, like it the the starting point was so far off and it was just ingrained in these habits of, you know, when you're hungry and you need something quick, grab some fast food and like, it's okay. And again, food was just this fuel source and didn't matter what you're putting in. And and so not all calories are created equal and we're eating a lot of, uh, you know i was eating a lot of of empty calories and i think that's been a blessing of being on this lumen journey i think this this journey of discovery and this journey of creating you know health and wellness products has has opened for both of us uh the, the, you know the 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 possibilities with food and how food really is fuel and so it's been it's been a big shift and i think where we are today compared to where we were you know even several months ago is, is absolute night and day. Uh, you know, we used to eat out a lot and now we cook almost every single meal here at the house. And so that, that becomes the first big evolution where you're starting to really realize, you know, what am I eating? Because you start to buy it. And you start to have to pick those foods out. Um, And then you go from you know, for me personally, it went from being able to cook one meal to being able to cook several meals. And so it becomes this discovery process of, you know, I figured out how to make the salad and the pasta and the, and the fish and the, and then you start to realize like, okay, well, am I eating too much meat? Am I eating too many carbs? Um, and so it's definitely a lot better today than it was, you know, at the beginning of the year and several years ago. And I think it's just a constant evolution and it's breaking out of those habits, right? There's so many things happening in the world, you know, being a startup founder, having, you know, limited hours, working lots of hours. And so there's days where you compromise. There's days where you're like, you know what? I'm not going to try to skip a meal, but I'm just going to eat, uh, you know, whatever I can now, and I know that I have to make up for it later. And um, it's just this, this balance and this, this act of tug of war. I know Chris is a lot better at it than I am. I was
1: going to say I, I think I helped extend Yasser's lifespan by at least five years. Uh, absolutely, Maybe, <laughs> I, I'd say 15. Uh,
2: but uh, yeah, it's yeah, just super fortunate. I think uh, that the world has put us on this path, and that you know we're continuing to enjoy, enjoy it every single day. Um,
1: the 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 thing with healthy food is like. It's, it will, if you're someone like I was, like, I was fortunate enough to have parents that knew how to eat healthy, but also, uh, like a normal American, they also didn't really understand the dangers of sugar. So it's not like I went from one extreme to the other. I did grow up eating four pop tarts for breakfast every morning, which was an insane amount of calories, empty calories and sugar. When I look at it, <laughs> that was like my go-to, I felt amazing. I felt like I was on crack, which is pretty much was, uh, and although I don't know what that feels like just to add that in there. <laughs> I'm only imagining. Um, but the, the the cool part about it was I can remember cooking with my parents growing up every once in a while and like learning how to make meals together. It's just like, we didn't have that understanding. Like most Americans still don't, uh, of what food was in terms of a healthcare tool. And so like when I left college, uh, I was vegetarian for a little while. I was vegan for a little while. Now I'm what I would call like a flexitarian, like eat responsibly raised, good for the environment meat, which exists. Shout out to uh, Force of Nature Meats, which is like one of my favorite meat companies out there. Um, so it, it was this like evolution of understanding, like, oh, it's not necessarily prescribing to the specific set diet or specific, um, I don't know, category of foods to pay attention to. It was really just cutting out processed foods and if if you can 't completely cut them out at least limiting it to one out of whatever every twenty or thirty meals, uh, and then cutting out processed sugar and really, if you just like follow those two things, cutting out processed foods, like your health will quickly follow suit there's so many more details involved with that, so I would recommend anyone that's super interested in it like reach out to a functional medicine doctor and start going to one of those instead of like a normal general practitioner, your normal family doctor because A functional medicine doctor has all these great tools at their disposal where they can do like genetic tests to see, surprising a lot of people don't know this. There's like gluten intolerance where you have maybe celiac disease and you really can't have it, but there's two genes responsible and you may not have celiac disease, but you could be like sensitive to gluten where you have one of the two genes, but like you're never going to know that unless you go to a doctor. But a lot of these underlying symptoms like allergies or uh, headaches or eczema eczema skin. Yeah. A lot of things related to the skin that could be related to the fact that you're sensitive to gluten, but like it, most people suffer from these conditions anyway. And I heard one doctor say, you don't know how good you could feel until you actually feel that way. Like once you've made the change and a lot of these ways that we feel as a society are just quote unquote normal. Like having eczema is somewhat normalized. I mean, it's, you go to the doctor and get a pill or a cream for it. Um, but it's somewhat, or it's like a con- having allergies, like pretty right. normalized. Like having gut issues, You're pretty right. normalized. And so all these things, uh, once, once you've realized that you can make these some really kind of simple changes and don't beat yourself up they do take years to make in terms of like a complete lifestyle change. But, uh, for me, like the big awakening was just looking at how much sugar is in stuff and cutting out processed foods.
0: And what is your favorite recipe that you've been cooking during quarantine?
1: Ooh, man, I really like, I make this like variant on PF Chang's lettuce wraps. (laughs) I use, uh, this regeneratively raised ground pork. And so to add to what that even means, obviously everyone knows what ground pork is, um, but regeneratively raised means they're raised; these pigs are raised in a way that mimics the way like wild pigs would live. Uh, and so it makes them more nutrient dense. And for instance, like the, they haven't studied the pork that comes from this company, but the beef that comes from this company. For every pound of beef you buy, it's negative 1.3 pounds of carbon removed from the atmosphere. So it's actually like carbon negative or, or climate beneficial meat. So I buy this this ground pork and I make these this variant on PF Chang's lettuce wraps uh and and those are really really good. <laughs> I've been a big fan. I make a veggie plate and so it's a um, it,
2: it goes in the oven, it gets baked in like a big uh like big glass pan um and it's, you know, just a bunch of veggies with some fish inside too. So, you know, potatoes, uh green beans, corn, Uh, Onions. Uh, I add a little bit of tomato sauce, and so uh, it's good because it lasts a couple days. And then also, one of the things that I've learned is you're not supposed to count the calories; you're supposed to count the colors. And so, one of the things that I really like about the veggie plate is not only is it very flavorful, but it's also got a lot of different colors. And so, um, you know, get all my veggies, and I also get 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 some meat from the from the fish. So that's probably my favorite plate right now. And then there's some other, you know, Middle Eastern plates that I make every now and then, but that's the one for now.
1: Never underestimate the power of an omelet too. That's like such an easy, quick go-to whenever you're a busy person. And like you can grow a lot of the herbs and the kale and stuff and tomatoes on your rooftop garden or like your patio garden or your backyard garden, which is really cool, really fun.
0: Yeah, this is true. And what do you say to people when they think eating healthy means expensive?
1: No way. (laughs) for
2: us (laughs) we've actually saved so uh making the transition from eating out and because eating out healthy could maybe be potentially expensive i think it is um but eating out fast food is even it's eating in and cooking your own meals and then being healthy actually way healthier than eating out has actually saved us money so when i've looked at my expenses over the last couple months um I actually have more savings than I've ever had because of the fact that I've been able to find healthy foods and just cook them myself. And so um, I would say it's a myth. It really is. And so uh, if you take the challenge on to, you know, want to become healthier and also enjoy the act of learning how to cook and, you know, cook for yourself, then you'll realize that it's actually, uh, it's actually cheaper and puts you in a, in a better position to, to continue to not just grow, you know, your own foods, but also grow, you know, personally, I think with, with your diet. And uh, then you become again, a lighthouse, right? You become a beacon to others to show that it really is just another myth out there. Uh,
1: it's actually, I've, I've personally found that it's cheaper. Yeah. At least you sell us from kale and chocolate or once upon a food story podcast. She point she's serves on the board of the environmental working group. And I didn't realize they had put this out there, but she told me that there's this uh, guide uh, from, it's called like eating healthy on a budget or something like that from the environmental working group EWG. So people can definitely check that out. I'd recommend uh, buying things in bulk whenever you can. And then um, sticking to like stuff when it's fresh and seasonal, it's going to be cheaper. But whenever you buy in bulk and you cook in bulk, uh, it's a lot less expensive. I always cook like four meals at a time and just eat leftovers. But um, even ordering the meat from that force of nature company. You now, if you order online in bulk, you can get a, a really good deal on this, this like carbon is really healthy, more nutrient dense, climate friendly meat is less expensive than buying organic, like regular organic meat here in, in California.
0: Mm, and I think that just by hearing your stories, I hope people will be inspired because normally, typically people don't really equate entrepreneur to being healthy.
1: <laughs> For I would say in the beginning, we weren't like, we were healthy before Lumen. At least I, I was healthy before Lumen and then Lumen hit. And like my health routine kind of went out the window, like stress went way up, maxing out credit cards definitely will take a toll on your mental health. And the, one of the first things to go are like, you're, you're really, great habits on your diet or your, your exercise. And yeah, thank God pulled us into the gym and we started going to the gym on a daily basis. And, um, you realize that you kind of have to keep those as a foundation, uh, to be able to succeed. Cause like, I feel better now than I ever have in my entire life. Minus like when I was a really young kid and it seemed like you could do whatever and be super healthy, uh, feel super healthy. Um, but it, like energy levels, brain fog, stress, like all these things, They still exist and they come in waves, but the thing about it is you have the tools in your toolbox to handle those things and you feel a lot more resilient as a person once you've built these habits as a foundation for your life. Yeah, I've always felt
2: that whenever we're going through a very tough time, it's the world trying to teach us a lesson. And early on in our business, I think the lesson that we needed to learn is that we'd given up the foundation and the fundamentals to being successful. you can't be successful if you're not sleeping right, if you're not exercising, if you're not eating well. And so as soon as we started to reincorporate some of those fundamentals, everything started to show back up for us. And so we realized that being on this entrepreneurial journey is, uh, you know, being a startup founder, yes, it's difficult, but every time it gets more and more difficult, being in tune to trying to understand what what is the lesson that I'm needing to learn so that I can make it through this time and really doing that self-reflection and then finding the takeaway focusing on it and growing and I think um, like Chris has said you you realize that these fundamentals really are you know how you how you grow your business because as long as you know you can feel good and uh, look good and you know mentally you're clear and like we said it comes and goes but as long as you focus on the fundamentals it gives you so much more resilience as a human being to make it through the hard times and you know continue to grow through the good so um i think that's a, a good takeaway for people is you know when things get really really hard it's only that the world is trying to teach you a lesson so that you can make it through uh to the next stage uh, stage of your life
0: yeah and I think it's also important to share if you guys are willing, how much do you spend a week on your groceries?
1: Oh yeah, totally. Um, it kind of varies depending on what else I want to spend money on in a month. If I want to go buy a new like backpacking backpack, then I'm going to spend less on food just because right now we pay, we're a small company. We only have one full-time employee, but we pay him more than we pay ourselves. So we don't have that much extra spending money right now. Um, I'd, I'd say like, if I really wanted to, and I have done this in the past, I could spend like 60 to 70 bucks a week and, and survive. But I would say on average, I'm probably spending closer to a hundred or $120 a week. Um, and that, that has some indulgences in there too. What I would call indulgences, things like fresh fruit from the farmer's market, maybe a fresh peach or a bar of nice dark chocolate, or, uh, I do drink a cup of coffee in the morning. So maybe I buy, $17 bag of single origin organic coffee as opposed to the $10 bag of store brand organic coffee or something like that. So, um, it definitely is possible to spend like 70 bucks a week on organic clean food. But, uh, I wouldn't recommend it unless you're actually trying to like <laughs> set a record.
2: Yeah, no, I think I'm anywhere between like the 400 and $600 a month and I don't think about it too much. I just kind of, I watch it in terms of my budget, but, uh, I buy the things that I want and I buy the things that I like and the things that are healthy and the things that I'd like to cook. And that's just where it happens to fall. And I think naturally I've found that it's cheaper than, than the alternatives that I was, bef- was at before. So
1: um, yeah, that's less than five bucks a meal on average, a hundred bucks a week, I think.
2: Yeah. And I, and again, I wasn't, It was never the intention to calculate it. It was always the intention of like,
1: yeah, for me, I I had, I had spreadsheets for a while. I was so curious. I was like trying to figure out the mechanics. It was like how much money can you spend and save while also eating? I had like all the way down to the spices, like how many meals could I make with the spices? And like, was that a penny or two pennies? And, um, (laughs) I I didn't let it get out of hand. Luckily I had sane friends around me that were like, you're not going to do this forever. (laughs) Are you? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> no. Right. Uh, I did it for like probably like four of my favorite meals and you can cook like a good organic meal with even with meat, which is the expensive part. That's good for the planet. Um, you can cook a good organic meal for less than like three to $4 a meal. It's, it's definitely doable, especially if you're cooking in bulk and buying in bulk and doing all the things that we recommended. Yeah. I never really thought about it. I just, I just found that I was saving
2: more money doing the things that I ended up enjoying more and I was feeling better in the process. So, um, just, yeah, I think it's, it's very doable and, um, on a, on a very limited budget. So I don't think that should be a deterrent for anybody out there. And I think a part of it too, was we made a commitment, you know, to really look at how much we were eating out. And I think once you, it's kind of like the sugar thing, once you realize like how much sugar you're, you're, it's just, in stuff that you consume you realize like whoa this is way too much and then you really change it and i think that's the same thing it's just a a period of self-discovery of like I think a lot of times we don't realize how habitual our life has become. We wake up and we probably step out of bed with the same foot. We probably brush the same tooth, you know, and so a lot of these things are habits that are just ingrained over time because of the environments that we're in and the people that are around. And so uh, taking moments of, of self-reflection every now and then to realize like, wait, where am I? How did I get here? And how do I start to change to become a better person? I think are key. Uh, and that was just one of those periods that we went through. And again, same thing with the finances. I never really looked at like, okay, you know, personally never really looked like, okay, what is this going to change? It was just a process of like, oh, wait, you know, we probably shouldn't. And Chris was one of the sparks for that. It's like, wait, let's look at how much we're eating now, where we're eating, where's that food coming from? And then you realize like, wait, how did I get here? And what was that process? And then you start to realize like, oh, it's just a part of being a startup and part of being busy. And you realize that it's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's a part of being human. We're not perfect. And then it's like, okay, well, I personally, I want to make an active you know, decision to, to change my habits. And then after that, it gets really easy. It's like, okay, well, let me go to the grocery store. Let me see what's out there. And it's this discovery process. And then through that process, I realize, like, oh wait, I actually am saving money and it actually is pretty affordable. Um, and so I think it also just stems from that, that taking a moment every now and then to look at where am I today? How did
1: I get here? Where do I want to go and how do I get there? Uh, and it's, it's actually a fun process. Yeah. COVID I think has opened a lot of people's eyes to it. Like, especially if you're using things like Grubhub or Uber Eats, it's like, that's even more so expensive. Yeah.
0: Like I've always like, I probably spend around, like say $70, $80 a week mixing in organic and non-organic items. And there are some processes in there, like all that type of stuff. But when you start cooking at home and especially if you're cooking with like, you know, fresh vegetables, even frozen vegetables um, oh, yeah. and, and just cooking healthy, you do start to see a shift. And I always know that I can cook something faster than delivery. And when I start looking at the delivery of like delivery never tastes as good. And during COVID it tastes so much worse because people (laughs) who are making the food and delivering the food, they're like stressed.
1: Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. I mean, like, that's a cool part about uh, this whole experience we're going through. Like there's needless to say, there's a ton of sadness and extreme despair for a lot of people who are suffering the worst from COVID. And not only that, but people who are stuck at home and living in places that are food deserts, like that's a whole another story where it's like, you don't even have access to grab these types of foods to stay healthy right now. But for people who are fortunate enough to have access to this kind of stuff, I feel like it has been an awakening for people because you have more time to learn how to cook and you have more time to, learn these new recipes. And then when you start thinking about things like, Oh shoot, that $22 burrito that only was one meal that I got through Grubhub, that's seven meals. If I cooked it at home, that's a whole, that's like, Oh, that's insane.
0: That's it is. And it's just, yeah, I think it's, it's something that I tell people that when you're cooking, you know, try not to cook if you're angry or stressed are anxious because it really does affect how the food turns out. I mean, energy is transferred in the cooking process and what that actually looks like is cooking with care. Maybe you burn something, maybe you overseason, un- season those are all things that come into play um, depending on your mood.
1: Yeah, who doesn't pour more syrup on their pancakes when they're not <laughs> feeling frustrated?
0: <laughs> That's I, I don't okay. So I wanted to ask what your morning and evening routines are like. Um, I know it's something that you really spoke about during the immune reset challenge and uh, people know that I love rituals and routines as well. And I enjoy learning about uh, what other people do.
1: First thing I do in the morning is uh, make my bed, which um, I like that a lot. I, I thought that was kind of stupid at the beginning when, you know, you always hear people say like, Oh, if you wake up, and make your bed. Like first thing you do in the morning is accomplish something. You're like, you, you get a gold on. Uh, and then I started doing it and I was like, Oh wow, <laughs> this is so weird how something so simple makes such a big difference in how you feel in the morning. Um, so I make my bed, uh, have a cup of coffee, uh, and, you, I feel like I'm, it's funny talking to you personally, Alice, cause I feel like I'm repeating things that you well already know cause you were part of that reset challenge. But thanks for asking the question anyway, suffered through hearing twice. Um, the, I, I'm a big believer in just doing something that you find motivating in the morning. Like it doesn't matter if it's reading or meditating or working out or, or watching an inspirational video, like just do something inspirational in the morning. So for me, uh recently it went from reading to watching uh like instructional slash slash like hobby videos on like backpacking and outdoors stuff, because I've been doing a lot more of that recently. So I get to kind of daydream in the morning and imagine what I'm gonna do in my free time outside of work and like see what kind of gear I want to get and places I want to go visit. And then uh of course like cooking a solid breakfast. I've been eating a lot of overnight oats with um no sweeteners other than like fresh fruit or frozen fruit actually that i heat up um and that's really my main morning routine i try i definitely don't check email or like check anything related to work uh, i usually wake up about 2 hours before i need to start working so that's 2 hours that i literally have to just spend on myself and anywhere between like an hour to 2 hours and part of that too is i've got a, a like a patio garden going of a bunch of kale and tomatoes and bunch onions and peppers and um, I go up there and take care of that in the morning too. Yeah, my morning routine's different. I think we all live together, so we found ways
2: to, you know, build our morning routines separately. And so for me, it's always been: I wake up and I can hear people kind of rustling around and getting their morning started. And I usually tend to stay in my room. Uh, I'll make my bed and just sit and check in with myself, you know, how am I feeling today? You know, what are my goals for the day? Am I feeling happy? Am I feeling anxious? And just address that. So I take some time to just be with myself. Um, And then before I come downstairs or get my day started, I like to be completely ready. So, you know, brush my teeth, change. And so by the time when I'm down, I don't have to go up for anything else. And so that's making sure that like, before I leave my room, I'm ready to to conquer the day. So I've already come to terms with everything that
1: I'm feeling and I'm charged up and good to go. Can I add something to that real yeah. quick? You just saying that because we are roommates made me realize that that's actually a really good tip for all the people working from home right now during COVID is like, before you go into that place of work, wherever that is for your home, like just act like you're going in the office, like be ready. Don't have to go back and brush your teeth or, or change clothes or, or whatever, like before you walk into that place of wherever you're going to be doing your work for the day, like just be ready.
2: Exactly. No. And I, I love it. It, it. it changes the entire dynamic because then you don't come downstairs with anything left behind, right? You're not coming downstairs and you like, Oh, well I got to go up and like grab that thing here in a little bit. It's everything's done. Everything's taken care of. The f- moment I put my first foot on that step to come downwards, I'm ready to go anywhere. The world needs me to go from that step forward. And so, um, from there, I come downstairs. I usually like to have a coffee. Uh, it just again, it's, it's part of it's ritual. I like the flavor, and uh, it's a good way to start the day. And uh, from there, we have our you know more usually have our morning meetings as a team. Um and then I like to start my water intake. So making sure that I'm getting enough water, staying hydrated, just because I was always chronically dehydrated. I never knew how much water my body was supposed to intake. And so that's the one thing that recently I've been working on is just making sure that I get enough water throughout the day. And so it makes me feel really good to start that early on. So I have my cup of coffee with my water. Uh and then once our morning meeting is done, I usually like to leave the house, go on a walk, call family. Uh and it's just another meditative thing where, you know, my body still hasn't fully energized and been ready for the day. So it's a way for me to get my blood flowing, you know, go outside, get some fresh air. uh, And then I'm back in. And from then onwards, it's, you know, foot to the throttle and and, and just really pushing for the day and enjoying the journey. So uh, that's usually my morning. uh, And then obviously breakfast and things like that. But uh, yeah, my morning is just checking in, making sure I feel good. By the time I come downstairs, I'm ready to go for the day. Um, We do our morning meetings and then I I get out. uh, Yeah, just
1: get, get my blood flowing and then get to it. I'd say my morning routine is a lot more put together than my evening routine. Like my evening routine is kind of like all over the place. It depends on the day. That's something I, d- I definitely could improve on a lot more. I think it's been off too because I haven't been um, exercising as much, which is something I used to do in the evenings. And so like that would help me fall asleep a little bit easier. Um, but have been doing a lot of like driving out to Palm Springs where my partner lives and uh, staying here for work or working late. And so um, I don't know. We're all human. That's definitely something I need to improve and, and, and work on.
0: Yeah. So what's your
2: evening routine like? Uh, it really depends on the day. I think this is where the startup journey kind of takes over sometimes for my evenings. It's, you know, some, some days are longer than others. And so just depending on how calls get structured, sometimes I'm, you know, I'm on the phone really late in the afternoon. But before I go to bed, I definitely like to just do the same thing I do in the morning, which just check out. Like, okay, if I haven't been able to get something done today or haven't been able to get something accomplished, like, okay, that's that's the reality. How am I going to, you know, fix it? How am I going to deal with it tomorrow? But I try not to carry anything into sleep. Uh, so I either write it down. I make a note. I put it into my calendar. I make a reminder. So all the things that I didn't get done, all the things that I need to do, all the things that, you know, are loose ends that need to get tied. I make sure to deal with all of that. So even if my day does run a little longer into the into the evenings, I take some time to to wind all of that down. Usually I do get a good workout in and a run, so I'm pretty exhausted to come later into the evening. So I just wanna make sure that even though I'm physically and mentally exhausted, I get everything off of my mind. It just helps me sleep a little bit better. Um, and then just making sure to take those, you know, last 30 to 40 minutes before bed to just not think about much, you know, whether it's, uh, check in on family, you know, we have a, we have a family group chat and, um, you know, not fortunate enough to be able to constantly be engaging in there. So just take some time to see what everybody's doing and respond to some of those messages and, uh, just take my mind off of work. I think it's very consuming to be a, a part of a startup and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good to keep your mental health in check. And so, um, I think that's that's really my, my evening routine is taking everything that I haven't been able to get done and just putting it aside, finding ways to put it in a safe place where I can get back to it and uh, checking in on the things that could be like a nice little boost, a nice little recharge before I go to bed, things that are exciting, things that I've wanted to read. Sometimes I'll bookmark little articles and things that I haven't gotten to read throughout the day. So I'll read those before I go to bed and then uh, uh, it's finding ways to wind down, making sure I don't you know expose myself to too much light. Uh, so, you know, turning off lights, turning off blinds, uh, and just really preparing for bed so that I can have a good night's sleep because rest is so important. Uh, and I, I feel like that only, it only supercharges me for the next day. And so I wake up, I know what I need to get done. I go through my morning routine and I'm back at it. So, um, yeah, just making sure I wind down the proper way. And I've found that it, it makes me feel a lot better and I'm much more, more well rested.
0: And, uh, do you guys have a quote or a mantra that you refer often to?
1: Yeah. My father always, this is like a pretty basic one, but my father always said it. And I think about it all the time. If it were easy, everyone would do it. Uh, And it's, it's so simple, but there's, it it makes so much sense because you could apply it to any part of your life. Like whatever you, if you're someone that's interested in self-improvement or just whatever, any kind of improvement, whether it's your personal life, your family life, business life, that cannot be applied to all parts of your life, and um, so thanks, Dad. <laughs> Constantly trying to be better, but it's so true. Yeah, uh, I think it's the same thing.
2: I got one from my dad, and we we talk about you know how much they've been an influence in our lives. But he used to always say, the harder you work, the luckier you get, uh, and so that's that's one of those that. You know, I try not to burn out, obviously, but, I've, you know, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of doors open for us. And so I think it's just uh, a consequence of, you know, working hard, being passionate, having the right intentions. and so.
0: I've been drinking the immunity hemp juice shots for a couple months now, as I won a three-month supply through that Instagram challenge where I met uh, Chris and Yasser. And it's really been something that I look forward to. It's part of my morning routine, and there's just so many great nutrients and benefits of hemp juice that I think I'll be continuing to drink them well into the winter and next year. If you decide to try Lumen, I'd love to know what you think, and if you're inspired to eat a bit healthier in the coming months. Do you have a friend that needs to feel a little bit more inspired about eating healthy and maybe has questions about hemp? Send them this episode. And if you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Chris and Yasser, rate this podcast five stars. As always, I'd love to know how I can support you. So reach out, email, Instagram, and know that I'm always here to support you. And for those who want a one-on-one spiritual mentorship, check the show notes and apply.